You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. You know, you get ready for a series like this, and I've been talking about it for, for months, um, and, and it's, it's, it's always something that you, 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 you're apprehensive, you're, there's all kinds of things that start coming to your mind, you know, your wife starts to talk to you about it. So let me just put that out real quick, that I have two conditions that my wife gave me. We had this conversation uh, before I did it. First of all, she says, babe, why are you even doing a series on sex? Why, why are you, do, I've, done, I've done it before, babe, you know that I've, I've ventured out before. She says, well, why are you doing it again? You've already done it for your lifetime. You don't have to, <clears throat> you don't have to do that ever again. You're going where no, no man, no minister goes, and, and uh, so she said, why are you doing it? And I said, it's very simple. I'll tell you why I, 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 I think it's vital for us to talk about sexual intimacy. I said, because as I have counseled many, many uh, individuals throughout the years in, in ministry, and as if I, if I, especially, uh, you know, from uh, people that are just coming to Christ or, or just walking with Christ, or people that have been with Christ for a lot of years, what I've noticed is that when there's broken relationships, there's broken intimacy. And one of the questions that I ask is, uh, you know, as they talk to me about all the problems that they're having, is I will say to them, are you, guys, are you and your wife, are you guys uh, uh, intimate? Are you intimate? Are you guys sexually intimate? And, and what I mean with intimate uh, and intimacy, it doesn't always have to be Sex. Intimacy is holding hands. It's, 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 it's talking to each other with love and respect. It's holding each other. It is, it is hugging each other. It's, it's kissing each other. So there's a lot more to intimacy than just the act of sex. And so I, I just believe that there are people, because I've talked to enough people, that are struggling with intimacy in their, in their lives. And, and, and then the other thing is, um, is that we have young people that need to hear uh, about sexual intimacy from God's perspective because they're hearing it from every, th- every other source in the world. They're hearing things that are, that, are, that are not true to how God designed. And so what happens is that they're sold a, a false bill of goods and, uh, and they never hear what sexual intimacy uh, what the design was from God's perspective. And so it's important for us to grab a hold of it. So I'm going to start out with a question just to, just to start. Don't, do not raise your hands, okay? Has, has, anyone, has anyone thought about sex this week? Has anyone, has anyone uh, um, uh, looked at sex this week? Don't raise your hand. Has anyone uh, been talked to about sex this week in a joke or whatever? And has anyone, you know, um, maybe wondered about sex this week? Just wondered. What about sex? Because I think that the reality is that every person is at least dealing with one of those questions. 
And so as, as we look at, 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 at sexual intimacy, um, the first thing that I want to tell you is that, that the Bible and, and, and God is not silent about this subject. In fact, it's, it's in, in the pages of Scripture, you'll see uh, where intimacy is, is woven in, in these pages of Scripture. And, and, and the sad thing is that, uh, that people don't talk about it, especially the people of God. Uh, the original intent of sexual intimacy is so special because we become one with one another. And I want to start with that. There, there, is no other, there is no other act that we commit as humans where you are as vulnerable and as intimate than in the act of sex. Did you know that? And sex can, uh, when you do it the right way or God's way, uh, it, it can bring fulfillment and completeness into your life when Christ is at the center, especially as, as he becomes the center of your marriage. And if you do it the wrong way, you find out all kinds of problems. But, but I want to start out with the, the very premise that, that there's oneness that happens. That's the very thrust of today's message. There's oneness. You become one. And that's what the Bible is going to uh, explain to us very clearly. So if you do it the right way, you become one and you become uh, something that you can never be without uh, the other individual and especially God being in your life. But if you do it the wrong way, then you become one with individuals that, that, that you are not committed to, that you are not uh, 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 loyal to, that you are, uh, maybe it's, it's all about you. And, and, uh, and, and this has happened throughout the history of, of humanity uh, because sexual intimacy was distorted at the garden and, and, and that's where we have to start. But the apostle Paul helps us as he's talking to the church in Corinth about what happens when you have uh, sexual intimacy with someone because you see it gets so distorted that there's actually religions that have uh, 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 temple prostitution where you worship and at that time in, in Corinth uh, they would go and worship by having uh, sexual intercourse with a temple prostitute and so Paul was beginning to teach them when you do this you are doing something that's going to attach itself to you and it's going to hinder your, your whole life. It's going to hinder your whole walk. It's going to hinder everything about you. And he says, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is, it is said that the two will become one flesh. And so the Bible teaches us, and this is so important, this is so important for you to understand that the sexual act, it impacts every part of our being it, 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 it impacts us uh, physically, it impacts us emotionally, it impacts us spiritually, and that's why when people are in an unhealthy sexual relationship, their emotions are all out of whack, their physical, physicality is all out of whack, a lot of bad negative things happen physically. Like the possibility of an STD and things like that because you have, you've gone beyond the boundaries of what God intended. But physically, there's an attachment that happens emotionally, and then spiritually, there's an attachment that happens. And, and instead of it being a positive for your life, it becomes a negative for your life. And I want to say this, that sexual intimacy is a positive when it's done with God at the center. You need to understand that sexual intimacy is very, very good. Why? Because God made it. And so I want us to go to uh, Genesis chapter 2 to the very beginning as, as, uh, as it's laying out the, 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 the kind of the focal point 
of man and, 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 and wife and how God created man and woman uh, to, to have a healthy family unit, to have a healthy society, to have a healthy world. Because the way the family unit is in the society will tell how healthy is your society is and your communities are and your schools are. And if, you're, you're, and if your family unit is broken, your, your schools will be broken, the kids will be broken, your, your, your society is broken, the world becomes broken. So I think it's time for us to fix things through Jesus. I think it's important for us to let God fix things. And let's look, let's look at the very foundation of how he created it. So let me pray first of all. Father, thank you for, um, for every person that's here. Uh, Lord, I just pray your blessing upon your word. And my words, Lord God, I, I ask that I will say things that will honor you. I, I humbly come before uh, your throne of grace and mercy and, and just ask that, that, uh, that I will be your messenger to say things that will be a, a very helpful for the listener, Lord God, and, and impactful. And Holy Spirit, just, just make them real. Uh, let your word be true as you guide us. And uh, we'll be very careful to give glory to Jesus in everything that we do and say. And everyone said, amen. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25 is the foundational text that I want to deal with. And it says there, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So Adam was formed he was created by God, and he says it's not good for him to be alone. And then verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Now let's stop right there, because men and women are still naming animals to this day. So I know the Bible's true, Right? I got a dog named Kobe Bean. I named him. Or JJ did, and we got stuck with him. We got another dog, another dog named Jules. We're still naming dogs. The Bible's very true. It tells us that man, God gave a man a responsibility. Then he says, okay, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. And for Adam, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the place of the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man, and the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Now think about this woman, the, the, the root there, womb, the womb. That, that, that from man, right? A whole different, a whole different uh, 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 person now. That, that it's a man, but not a man. It's a, it's a womb man. That's what, what, what that word actually means. And he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then this is, what, this is our, our key text that we're going to deal with today. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no what? Shame. Okay? This is the most important factor for your family. 
For the family unit, this is how God describes how family is formed, how family should function, how healthy marriages work. This is what I used in my first uh, uh, counseling session with all, all couples that are going to be getting married. We talk about this and how vital it is for you to let God's design be a part of your design. And, and how we leave father and mother and we cleave to our wives. We leave everything behind. We make God our own God together and we raise our family and we, we, we don't let anything be shameful. Because God made it and he created and what God creates is always good. It's always good. And when we get away from this, we begin to distort the original intent of God. And that's what's happening all around us. And that's what happens even in us if we don't, if we don't hold on to the truth of God's word, which, you know, truth that transforms, understanding our new identity, that we've been restored back into this original design. So I got three points that I want to talk to, to, to you about so you can get a biblical understanding of what pure sex is all about. The first point is that pure sex is God's idea, and he designed our sex, sexual intimacy to honor him. Can I tell you that God doesn't frown on sex? He created it as a gift to mankind, God ordained us as sexual beings. Everybody, every, every one of us has an innate desire for sexual intimacy. A young man, when you're, when you're, when you're a young man, when you go into adolescence, uh, you begin to go through this P word called puberty. And you quickly find out that, that there's changes going on in your body. There, there, there are things that begin to happen that point you to your sexuality. A young girl who reaches adolescent, they begin to go through changes that point her into their sexuality. Things begin to happen. Your body begins to change. I mean, uh, boys and girls that used to be friends and they used to play and they would say, are you guys boyfriend and girlfriend? Ah, are you kidding? That's gross. You know, they turn teenagers and they're like, what happened to you? What happened to you? Woo. <laughs> right? We're friends. Can you become my girlfriend? <laughs> right? So desires begin to, to, to arise that, that have been placed there by God. And if these desires are not discerned through God's perspective, we become vulnerable to dishonoring God through our sexuality. See, if we don't, if we don't bring these under God's perspective, God's word, then we can distort every good thing that God has for us. That's why it's vital for people of God to begin to talk to their children, and especially children, really, and especially adolescents about the importance of sexual intimacy. The whole thrust of this passage is that the Lord God said it's not good for the man to be alone. And can I tell you, a lot of people in their loneliness do things in their sexuality that they regret later on. Did you know that? People in your loneliness, you may be here today, and in your loneliness, you, you do things that, that, uh, that, that, that you regret, but, but God's a God of restoration. God's a God of reconciliation. God can make what's bad, what was bad in your life, he can make it good. 
And, and what I love about this, it says, uh, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper that's suitable for him. And that, the Hebrew word there, azer, is a Hebrew word. And, and that, word, that word is so important because that word is actually used, it, it's used in the Old Testament in different places, but it's actually used even for God himself. God is our helper. That's the same word that's used there for the, for the woman, for the wife. I will make him a helper that's suitable for him. And not only is, 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 is your wife, not only is she going to be there to help you uh, in, in different things, but she's actually going to be a savior for you. She's going to save you from the loneliness. She's going to save you from, from yourself. She's going to save you from all the things that you do that, that will take you down a road of destruction. A wife is made to compliment a husband, and a husband is made to love his wife and to make her complete. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Notice that this is vital, so it doesn't matter what you're hearing on, on television. It doesn't matter what you're hearing uh, in, in different uh, places from different voices. Notice that it says there that, that God did not make a man for Adam, but he made a woman to be a complement for him and to be a source of strength and refuge. And then God said to them in, in Genesis 1.28, he said, God bless them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. And so there's a responsibility for, for a husband and a wife, for a man and a woman, not only, to, not only for them to, to govern and to have authority and to do all these things that only man can do in your mentality, in your great uniqueness, in the way that God has shaped you. You have an ability to make the world better, but not only that, you have an ability to make your family better. You have an ability to make your husband and your wife better. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And that's such a blessing because how many of you have children that you love with all of your heart? Even when they act like brats. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He gave, he gave this mandate that is wonderful. Sex was not man's idea. It's always been God's idea. And when we experience Sexual intimacy in his design, it's glorious because it brings glory to God. You should not try to keep God out of your bedroom. You should invite him into your bedroom because it only gets better. Some of you are freaking out by that statement. So the question we ask ourselves is, am I honoring God with my sexual, my, my sexual intimacy? You know, that's a question we ask ourselves. Am I honoring God with my sexual intimacy? Most people that are having sex, and there's a lot of people having sex, right? When, when I talk from my perspective, outside of, outside of Christ... When, when, you know, I had, I had from some religious uh, individuals in, in my family, older religious, you know, individuals that would say, they never talked about sex. And when they talked about sex, they would say, sex is bad. Sex is bad. Cochino. Cochino, don't talk about sex. Dirty, dirty, don't talk about sex. Cochino, right? And everyone else was talking about how good sex was. All the, you know, growing up, teenager, your friends telling you, well, sex is really good. And I tell you, your teenager friends were the ones that were telling the truth. Let's be honest about this. 
If sex did not feel good, if sex did not do things to you, there wouldn't be millions of people having sex. But my question to you, and this is what God had to work in me because I didn't know this. I had no idea. I wish that that person that was telling me, Cochino, you know, don't, don't even think about sex. Don't even talk about sex. Don't, what do you mean don't think about sex? I'm trying not to. But my body's telling me everything else that, you know, different. And you guys are in the same boat, so don't act like if you're not. But if they would have stopped and said, you know what, sex is incredible. But you wait for your wife, and you honor God, and, and you'll be blessed because of it. Instead of adding baggage to your life, you add baggage when you don't, and you, you're not honoring God, and, and, it's, and it's just hurting you. So, so here's an action step that I put, put down. So evaluate your sexual relationships. I'm talking to someone, maybe on the podcast, and take the necessary steps to honor God, right? Take the necessary steps to honor God. And this is a beautiful thing right here. The writer of Hebrews said this in chapter 13. He said, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge sexual, the, the sexual immoral and adulterers. And so what that's telling us is the, the marriage bed is beautiful to God. It's, it's wonderful. He made it like that. We're going to go into next week. I'll talk about sheet music. How do you, how do you have harmony in, under the sheets? Can't wait for that one, right? But he, said, he says here, let, you know, let marriage be held in honor among all. And, and in other words, he's saying, I, I, I love it when people get married and they're committed to each other and they're loyal to each other. And they've got this wonderful thing because it honors me. That's, what, that's how I intended and I designed humanity to function in. He said, but adulterers, you break people's lives. You hurt people. You, you, you are uncommitted. You're unloyal. He said, that's hurtful. And then fornication is you're not waiting to honor people like I designed it in marriage. Point number two, God's design for sexual intimacy is for us to honor ourselves as well as others. So not only do we honor God, in sexual intimacy, but he wants us for us to honor our, 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 our own selves and others. Can I tell you that outside of Christ, we are pretty selfish? Let me, let me say this. Outside of Christ, I am pretty selfish. My life is about me. God invested a rib of Adam's body into creating his wife. And, and when it talks about him, him uh, 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 creating Adam, it said he formed him out of the dust. He formed him out of the ground. When it talks about Eve, it says he took a rib and he fashioned Eve. And Eve was always about fashion, all the intricate parts. And women are about fashion, right? Bling, 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 bling. The Bible says the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which had been taken from the man and brought her to the man. God did, didn't just throw the woman together. Not only was she made in the image of God, she was taken out of man. She was fearfully and wonderfully made. And you need to think about that young man as you're, as you're, as you're dating this, this your young woman. You need to understand that she's fearfully and wonderfully made. She's very, 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 very special to God. She's made with respect and dignity. She was created to be honored and for her to honor herself. And I think that's something that we need to teach our young ladies. You need to, you know, you need to know that God created you with honor. You need to honor yourself. You're a teenager here. You need to know God created you with honor. You need to honor yourself. 
Pure sex always should be centered around honoring God and honoring each other. The Bible says love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself. And so the marriage bed is undefiled because it's a place where a a husband and wife have made a choice to commit themselves to each other, to honor each other, and to express each other in sexual intimacy. Sexual intimacy should be the most wonderful thing because it's a place where you're vulnerable. It's a place where you actually give of yourself. It's a place that you you are in the the closest proximity. Uh, no, no No man should know my wife like I know her, and no woman should know uh, my wife, uh, me, like, like my wife does. And, and even if that's happened in the past, God can heal all that. But as you go forward, you honor your wife and you honor your husband. Are you with me? It's really quiet. God intended for the marriage bed to be exciting and vibrant. It's the place that that we express one of the greatest gifts and privileges that God has created in that sexual intimacy. And this gift allows us to bring children into the world, children who will be molded and led uh, to be followers of God. That's that's exactly what what uh, 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 the task that God has given us as parents is to raise up our children to be lovers of God and to be lovers of people and to honor people and to honor the person that becomes their spouse and to raise up kids that are honoring God and following God and honoring people. And if that continues, the legacy that's built is one that brings glory to Jesus Christ. But can I tell you that anything that's good and anything that's from God can be distorted and used in a way that's selfish and dishonorable. So pornography puts a lot of people into bondage. It takes us to a place of selfishness. It, it takes our minds places that are very distant from God and distant from each other. Having sex outside of marriage, it, 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 I'm not going to say it doesn't feel good because I'd be lying. Having sex outside of marriage may feel good, but it does not honor God and it does not honor each other because it falls short of commitment and loyalty. And let me say this about pornography. This is something that's important. So statistics say that our young people, 71% of our boys, this is very, very, very uh, 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 reliable statistics that I've, that I've looked into. 71% of our young people, uh, boys, Men are looking at pornography. 61% of young women are looking at pornography. So the reality is that, you know, 7 out of 10, there may be someone in here that you're, you're, you're looking at pornography. And what, you know what happens. It stimulates something in you, but it does not bring the loyalty and the faithfulness of God. And we're all vulnerable. Because there's hard porn and there's soft porn. And the soft porn is what you watch on television that takes you places that you're like, you know, how many of us have ever flipped through the channel and you, oh man, I really shouldn't be watching that. (laughs) And then you change it, right? You're like, change it back, change it back. Don't change it back, don't change it back. Change it back, change it back. I know you guys have never dealt with that, you know. Second service, yeah. 
So, so having sex outside of marriage may feel good, but it doesn't honor God and it doesn't honor each other. We're created for commitment to a spouse. We, we, we grow in our love for each other through good times and bad times. And, and can I tell you, it, there are times that, that your spouse gets sick and, 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 and you, you're there for them, you know, and, and you cannot be intimate with them, but you, but you love them through it. And you, you, it just, it's just a special thing. You're loyal. Amen. You're loyal to each other. Ephesians chapter 5, which is Paul dealing with marriage and how husbands should treat their wives. It says this, husbands, uh, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And that's what Ruth was talking about, being transformed through the word of God, right? He did not, I mean, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands, you need to love your wives as, as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. Christ Jesus did not come to dishonor the church. He came to honor her. Christ did not come to put the church in bondage. He came to take us out of bondage and to sacrifice himself for her. And this explains God's love for people, and it's a model for us in our intimate relationships in marriage. Sex is an extension of our love for our spouse, and we must remember that the sexual act is an act of love. And pure sex, which honors God, will always have the other person's good in mind. And we don't compromise that. And so we talk about it and we honor each other and we build on it. And our sexual intimacy becomes better and better and better. And I can't talk to you about mine because my wife said don't. (laughs) But it's good. That's all I'll say. You see, lots of people have sex, but few people are willing to commit themselves to the woman in their lives or the man in their lives. And I'm telling you today that when you do it, it will be amazing. And that's what people need to hear. And that's what people need to experience. And that's what people need to know. So here's your action step. Here's your takeaway. Evaluate your sexual conduct and take the steps needed to honor yourself and others. So when, it, when it's about yourself, so maybe you're in here and you're watching porn. And, and, and you know that when you watch it, 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 it takes you to a place that is dishonoring yourself and even dishonoring others because if you take that into the bedroom, what happens is you begin to visualize the person that you've been watching in pornography instead of your spouse. And that's always something that's going to take you down a road of disaster. Amen? And so you evaluate it and you, you say, Lord, I'm going to take the steps. Truth that transformed is going to be one of the greatest steps you can take to help you come away from the things that are taking you down a road of destruction. My wife and I, when we came to, when we came to Christ, we had, a, we had a lot of baggage in our life. And a lot of the baggage that we had was, was some sexual baggage that, that, that God needed to clean in our lives. And, and by his grace, he did it in a wonderful way. And he'll, he wants to do that in your life as well. The Bible says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. And the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 
See, God wants for us to have a clear view of sex, a pure sex life, and he desires for your sex to be honorable. And we can do that, especially through that campaign we're going to be doing. Point number three, sexual intimacy in marriage was never designed to be shameful. It was never designed to be shameful. The Bible says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and, the, and, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And, and, and these verses make up the grand passage in the Bible because it explains just how important marriage is and everything, every good thing that goes along with marriage. One of the greatest things that goes along with marriage is that you don't depend on your parents anymore you depend on your heavenly father as a husband and wife together. One of the greatest things about marriage is that you're not ashamed of yourself and you're not ashamed of your wife. You're not ashamed of your husband. You begin to grow in your intimacy. And it's a beautiful thing. And as you grow, as the years go by, you become more beautiful and more beautiful and more handsome and more handsome because God designed for a husband and wife to love each other. And to honor each other. I don't know about you, but I become more handsome every year. <laughs> because I become fuller. <laughs> so I'm going to close with these three vital parts of the marriage union. This is, this is important right here, okay? The first vital part about marriage is leaving. Leaving. That's number one. Leaving. If you're in here and you haven't left your father and mother, if you're still, if your family dictates your life, leave and become one with your husband and your, and your wife, okay? Leave. The second thing is uniting, unity. And the, the third thing is public declaration. Our, our greatest calling as a parent is to raise our children, I say this a lot to you guys, our, 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 our greatest call is to raise our children to love God and then to leave. So when our, ki- when our, young, when our adult children come back, we say, okay, you can come, but you're going to have to leave. Just leave the grandkids here a little bit longer. But you guys leave. As parents, we should release our, ch- our married children to God and allow them and their spouses to begin to put their own trust in their Heavenly Father through Jesus. They need to build faith experiences in the one who is faithful and true. It is not right. Let me say something. A lot of times, a lot of times parents bail their kids out, their young adult kids, their adult kids out of everything. Can I tell you, how can they trust in God who is faithful if you always bail them out of everything? One of the greatest things, and don't look at, don't look at each other and don't make those funny eyes. One of the greatest things that ever happened to Sean and I, we went through one of the most difficult times in our life, and this godly man, this man that mentored us, said, you guys need to face it and defeat it yourself. No one's going to bail you out. And it was great. We did it. Together. Unity, okay? Uniting or cleaving. Marriage ushers a man and woman into a new commitment. It's a God relationship where two individuals are united into one flesh. You become one physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In this relationship, sexual intimacy is not only right, but it can be enjoyed without shame or guilt. 
There's no shame because God has ordained it. It's God-led. It's God-given. No one will know you and should know you like your spouse and vice versa. And it's a beautiful thing. And if, let me tell you, your homework is to go, if you're married, <laughs> go enjoy yourself. Lastly, this passage teaches the importance of, of marriage as a public declaration. And this is why marriage is vital to the health of society. You go public before God and man. You get a marriage license. You render to Caesar what is Caesar's and you render to God what is God's. Marriage in every culture and society uh, has always been a grand celebration which is experienced by those who are important to the bride and groom. And, and you invite the people that are important. You have a wedding and you invite the people that are important to you and you celebrate and everyone's, woo, they got married. When I was growing up in, in our local newspaper, I don't know if they still do this anymore, but they used to. Everyone that was getting married, they'd make an announcement. It'd be an announcement in the local paper, and they want, everyone would say, hey, did you know that Shauna and Jamie are going to get married? If you're here and you're, and you're married, you should be celebrating your marriage and should be making every effort to keep it vibrant in, in the bedroom and outside of it for the glory of God. Hug your wife more. Hug your husband more. Kiss your wife more. Kiss your husband more. Brush your teeth. Take a bath. Take a shower. Wash under your arms. <laughs> I got to stay. I, 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 I can go different places. My wife said no. She said, keep it G, babe. Keep it G, okay. Here's your action step. Consider the importance God places on marriage between a man and a woman and make every effort to keep it vibrant and exciting. Look at what the Bible says. Now, this is not me. This is the Bible, okay? Don't get mad at me because this is what the Word of God says, okay? Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Old Solomon could put it, he could put it very, very, very well. He said, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. It's not me. It's the word of God. So I'm telling you married couples, go get intoxicated tonight, okay, with her love. Sexual intimacy that's based on God's word is never and should never be boring. The sad part, it's never taught. It's never taught. And if you're not married, you should be waiting for your, that spouse that God's going to bring. Blessed is a man who finds a wife. If you're a young man in here, God, God wants for you to be praying about that spouse. If you're a young woman in here, God wants you to be praying about that spouse. And can I tell you, when, when, when it comes, fireworks. Let it be fireworks and on your marriage day. The Bible says anyone... Okay, so, so, so let me say this. This is important, and then we're going to close. Pastor, I've made bad mistakes with my relationships because in my loneliness, I've given myself away and I didn't honor God and myself. Let me tell you something. You're not alone. Many of... Hear me now. Many of us have made the same mistakes but we serve a God of restoration. We serve a God of love and grace. Jesus, he came to take that shame and clothe you with his righteousness. 
He came to take the pain and put healing into your life. Paul wrote to the Romans, he said, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So if you're here today and you feel shameful about your past, that's not God. That's the devil. And that's your flesh. Okay? I want you to know that God heals, he restores, and he loves. And if you are in that place that you're, you're needing this, you just let God come in and let him do his work. He does it really, really well. Amen? And in your marriage, God's going to do some great things. I just believe it. He's going to do some wonderful, wonderful things as we go through these next two, two parts, okay? Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer for, to just give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray that prayer. Um, every, every service I should be doing this. So just bow your heads if you will. Maybe you're here and, and, and you know, you've heard about God and, and, and you know, you, you say, yeah, God is good, but you've never said, I need Jesus in my life and I want to be a follower of Christ. Just pray this prayer with me. It's, God, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness and I'm tired of trying to live my life without you. I need you in my life. And so I open up my heart to Jesus today. I confess that Jesus Christ died for all of my sins on the cross at Calvary. And I also believe that he rose from the dead on the third day, just like the Bible said he would. And so today I'm making a choice to follow him from this day forward in the fellowship of his church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, that's, it's the greatest prayer you could have prayed. You can look at me and, and uh, put it on your connection card and we'll rejoice with you and God's rejoicing with you. Um, and then the other thing that I want to close with is, uh, uh, you know, maybe there's someone that you know that needs some help in the pure sex area. Maybe there's someone in your circle that, that they're struggling uh, with, with sexual intimacy or the lack of it or maybe uh, in their marriage. Why don't you invite them to next week's service? And uh, let, let's see what God will do. Amen? I just believe that God wants to speak to us, and, and this is, a, this is a, a topic that needs to be talked about. So let's trust him in that. So let's all stand right now and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.